0: go. Here we go. I wish
1: you
0: had your ukulele, Jay. I I forgot it at home. I don't know that song, so I can't play play along. This'll do. I like it. I like it. Ladies (laughs) and gentlemen, Dr. Joshua Levitt on the the guitar. We call it a rhythm guitar, acoustic guitar. That was
1: a classical guitar. Nylon strain
0: classical guitar.
1: Yes. So we have
0: Dr. Joshua Levitt, naturopathic doctor from Connecticut and also running the Upwellness side of things. And we also have Dr. Jeff Spencer, who's a doctor of high performance and he is the Champion's Blueprint Master, correct? Can we say that? Known Often known as the Cornerman. Often known as the Cornerman. Gentlemen, thank you. My pleasure. Welcome thank to Junior you. Beach, Florida. That's it. It's lovely yes. here. Um, it and again, cool. everybody on Facebook. We're on Facebook Live. Um, if you ask us any questions, we have T-shirts here that we want to give to everybody. So if you ask us a question regarding health, regarding performance, regarding our favorite colors, whatever you want to do, we will send you a free T-shirt. So, But let's get into it. The first thing that I actually want to talk about. Um, actually, before I get into it, I, I do a lot of this stuff. Um, we're here in Juneau Beach, Florida, uh, because we're here for the company our company retreat. So uh, us three yahoos are here, and the rest of the, the normal people are over at, at the resort right now. But it's been good having everybody in. We're all meeting each other. It's just been really just a really good vibe. So uh, first of all, I appreciate you all being here. And Stephen, yeah, yes, you're so included in one invite. of those yahoos. You're, it's you're amazing to be years.
1: here, and it's an yeah. amazing corporate headquarters, yeah, global headquarters. Glo- <laughs> Glo- it is global because we do have some international yeah, world folks. World domination, for sure. World yeah.
0: domination. <laughs> So there's a lot of things that tie us all together, the three of us. But there's one thing that kind of touches each one of our hearts, and that is being a dad, yeah. being a father. I'm the newest one here, um, but I have one, I have one daughter. You have one daughter, and Jeff, I mean, and Josh, you have three children. I do. So, um, We're gonna get into the health stuff, we're gonna get into the performance stuff, but there's something that I I don't know much about that stuff, but I know, and I don't know much about being a father, but I can share a ton of stories about it, so.
1: I think you need health and performance to be able to pull this off. Yeah, longevity and sustainability, (laughs) composure. Not hair, you don't need hair. (laughs) Clearly. You don't need hair. Um,
0: So I, and there's another thing, in addition to having children, which has been all three of our, you know, our, our professional lives, our careers started to take off, or were already taken off, um, during the time that we actually had a child and you specifically were actually going through med school. Were
1: you at med school at the time or you were just in your first practice? Yeah. So we had, we had our first child when I was in a medical residency and then we had another one after that. And then our third one was born. Um, well, I started my practice whole health in Connecticut and then, and that was in March. And then my third child, who is now about to turn ten, was yeah. born just several months later. So it was a crazy time of life where I'm starting a medical practice, a small you know, group of physicians, um, and having a baby, a third baby, at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah, so I. I know that word. And for. your wife is also a naturopathic doctor. She is indeed. Yeah. So this wasn't just crazy for me. This was crazy for her. Maybe, arguably, crazier. Yeah.
0: So did you have a lot of balancing of like, all right, I'll be home with the baby, and then literally the handoff, and then you go that type
1: of deal? Absolutely. Or? That's exactly yeah. what it was. We like it was just trading shifts. Like I would be at the office, and I'd come home, and we'd get these moments where like, I mean, one of the funny things that used to happen was she, I would walk in the door after a long day of work, exhausted, seeing patients all day. She's with home at home with three kids, and she would say, "Here, take your child." And it's like. <laughs> my, my child, like, isn't this our child who's like, not right now, dude, this is yours and I'm out, you know? So yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of just, you know, passing in the wind, so to speak. Now, did
0: you going into that? Did you know that it was going to be tough? Did you know that it was going to be a little bit of a struggle? Or did you underestimate what was about to happen?
1: Well, I mean, the idea of knowing that it was going to be a struggle implies that we like sort of planned it that way, which we didn't, right? right. This was sort of, you know, um, just kind of the, the way the world works. It just sort of happened. So it wasn't it wasn't something that we planned to happen that way. That's just sort of the way the yeah. pieces, the chips fell. Um, did we know it was going to be tough? Yeah, when we knew we were going to set off on our own and start a medical office and have a third child at the same time. Like, that was... Right anxiety provoking for sure, yeah.
0: So I wanna get into the beginning oh, of, of your stages. What I'm setting this up is just like the, the, the preliminary stages. Now, Dr. Jeff has a, a, a quite different story than, than both of ours, which is you actually adopted your beautiful daughter Kin at the age of 10. That's correct. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about all of that and and the process of what you were thinking and, and why at 10, why not earlier, et cetera?
2: That's a great question. Uh, Well, first off, you know, we had several attempts at uh, having our own biologic kit and that didn't work even though the plumbing was, was working. It just didn't happen. Right. And we felt that, you know, there's a time in life where you got to step up and you got to make your life count and for something bigger than yourself. And we felt that you know, there's 138 million kids that don't have families, mm. which is crazy when you think about it. And so we thought about adoption because it seemed like that was the really the best option. And, uh, you know, when you think about adoption, I was 58 when we yeah. adopted. So you think about that, you do right. the math. I mean, I'm the guy that did the math. Like, okay, so I'm yep. 58. Uh, my is at full speed, full steam, full bore. I mean, which is like, you know, where can I have a 36-hour day and right. feel like I get something done? I mean, it was really intense. And so as the guy, I kind of looked at the math here. Okay. 58 plus 10 year old makes me this at this age. And the the challenges associated with being the dad that my daughter really deserves to have, you know, my wife was like, look how much fun this is going to be. This is like a give back. So we sort of looked at things a bit differently. I was much more practical about the reality of it. She was much more uh, nurturing uh, about it. And so that's was the genesis of it. And it was very complicated. It was difficult. It was uh, significant, but I can honestly say it's the best thing I ever did. Now, can
0: you take me back to, is if there is a moment where you guys decided, let's go forward and let's adopt, you know, can you, can you take us through that?
2: Yeah, it's like, you know, first off, the way I make decisions is, you know, is there a gravity towards the decision? Meaning that, you know, we're contemplating this after all said and done, you know, you get the pro and con list, is it go or not go? And for, for me, it was an internal go, like all the way. And she felt the same way. So there was never any conflict about that whatsoever. Wow.
0: And from the time that you actually made that decision until you uh, went down, because you went down to Columbia, right? To yeah, camera.
2: it takes you know it takes about a year and a half to go yeah. through all the paperwork, and it, it's exhaustive. I mean, you have to have a an English version that has to yeah. be translated into Spanish so the Colombian government accepts it. There's all sorts of psychological tests and batteries and visits with uh, psychologists, so on and so forth. That you got to get through just to make sure that you're vetted as being who you really are. Yeah. And then there's a whole process then of then connecting with the child that uh, appears to be the best fit. And so for us, that took about a year and a half, and then we had to actually go down to Columbia for six weeks, right? And take legal possession of our prospective daughter to be. So you it, were actually down there for yeah, six weeks in yeah, to on total, 100 percent. Yeah. 100%, yeah. Gotcha. And, and at that point, that's where. Both the child plus the parents to be have a chance to say yes, we want to do this. No, we don't. Okay. And then at that point, then if you both decide to do it, then you formalize the paperwork and boom, done.
0: Okay. So prior to that six weeks, did you know that? Um, do you know? Did you know that she was the one, or you got down there and then it was kind of like, here's what we've decided. Like at what point? At what point did you know? Yeah, that's that- a great
2: question. Uh, well, first off, prior to going down there, there is an exchange that happens where we send the prospective child. A book of us with photographs and all that stuff and then she sends us one of her where we get a chance to uh, you know check her out but but fortunately we had an adoption agency in Miami that the person that owned it his sister was boots on the ground in Columbia so we actually had a live person there that was like our eyes for us so it wasn't really is roulette ish Wow as it as it could have been. I mean, it was difficult even in and of that, but to say sure. we had a, we had a leg up on that.
0: Wow. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's just crazy. You know, adopting a child at ten years old who already has kind of somewhat developed in life. And well, then... yeah.
2: Like, how about their patterns of behavior? <clears throat> right. And I could tell you that that you know again, just imagine a fifty-eight-year-old full stride adopting a ten-year-old yeah. that had been up for adoption for five years. Oh man. And so. Really, literally, nobody wants to touch a 10-year-old because they're looked at as damaged goods. Right. You just imagine the kid. I haven't yeah. been adopted. Therefore, what's wrong with me? I mean, there's a lot of stuff involved in this that was highly significant. Yeah. The, um, and did you get any type of medical history on her? Yeah, we actually did. did. You know, we, we, we got two documents. We got a psychological history and we got a medical history. And so when we went in there, they said, well, you know, here's your medical history. A <laughs> blank piece of paper. Wow. And here's what we know about the family. blank piece of paper. So the roulette factor went up about you know, 10,000 as a result of that. And so again, what we defaulted to is that at the end of the day, you kind of be, and have to be spirit driven. You know, yeah. What does your consciousness say to sure. you? What's the gravity? What's the pull? Uh, yes or no. Right. So.
0: And so, and at this time, you know, as Josh was saying, you know, he was in residency, he kind of had this path in life of like where he's here now, I'm gonna have kids, and he wants to be, you know, he wants to have his own you know, clinic or, or, or office down the road. At this point in your life, you're, you're 58, um, and you're working on the Tour de France, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I was going to Europe every uh, year for at least a month, you know, that was but there's a year worth of preparation, you know, as a full-time uh, practice as uh, as a consultant, which I am, I'm the yeah. corner man, I get my program the Champions Blueprint, so it's full speed ahead, you know, working with uh, the best of the best wow. in the business sport. Uh, simultaneously, there's a lot of uh, obligation there. You have to be agile. There's a timetable that you got to get the job done, whatever it counts. There is now, no clock. did
0: you have to leave? Like, so, so you, um, and if I'm using all the wrong terms, you call, a I'm know. I'm very scared okay. that I'm using the wrong term. Uh, <laughs> Don't if, worry. If, if, no, if, score if, be taken once, here. Once you now have your child, right? Yeah. Um, did you have, doing what you do, you have to leave for quite a bit of time, yeah. right? was that hard? I mean, was that hard? Was it kind of like, okay, you know, I'll be back in a little bit. I have my plan. You know, what was, what was going through your mind when you're like, okay, I have to go for a couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah. Well, you life?
2: know, first off I knew that, uh, I sort of felt like the hand of God was on this in a certain sense. So I knew that if I maintain my obligations to yeah. those things that I was contractually obliged to, that there would be a protection with me gone. Sure. I just sort of felt that, you know, and, and with my wife who's a very capable person, she was a nurse for 22 years. Yeah. And so she's used to that stuff. So I, I felt like as long as I was obedient to my obligations yes. and followed that path and there was a protection that was surrounding this, a hedge of protection. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: And, it, and so I'm gonna switch back to Josh here for a second. So mm-hmm. at this time,
2: we have we have
0: Searsha. She's um, at this time, you guys are in your residence and then you have yeah. you know, Callie's
1: number two, right? Callie's uh, number two, yeah, about so, 15 months later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: and so when you have Callie, what is going on professionally for Dr. Josh at this
1: point? Um, we are living in Connecticut at that point. We had moved from our our uh, home base, which was Seattle, where we did our right. training and our residencies. And that's where Saoirse was born in Seattle. At home, by the way, that's another conversation. Right. All, all three of my kids were born at home uh, in bathtubs. Not in bathtubs, but in sort of midwife sort of hubs uh, in, in the home birth setting, which was great, all in three different homes. So we were sort of on the move. Sierra Se- was born in Seattle. 15 months later, we were already in Connecticut. Callie was born at home right. there. And we were uh, we had joined a medical group here. So we were in the probably the first year or so of, um, being independent contractors in somebody else's medical practice. Um, and then that's when Callie was born and then that lasted for a couple years. And, uh, and then there was a decision that was made to leave from that practice and start our own, yeah. which is called whole health, my current, um, place of business. And, um, and that right when we made that decision was when we found out that we were pregnant with, uh, with Zaya, the third one. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and, and so this tumultuous, pre- crazy time, this but pre- all good, you know,
0: and, and it's kind of come, this just came up organically because we've all had children a day different way right so you did all three at home
1: all three born at home Uh,
0: you adopted yours and we actually had a c-section so Talk to me about the home birthing. Uh, it, you know what goes, what what happens there? Because you you see it online, you see articles, you see all these different things. Yeah. Like, what's the real deal? Like, are you <laughs> sitting right. there like right. getting ready to catch? Right. Are you in a pool? Walk me
1: through it. I want to. I don't catcher's ask you a lot bed. of questions. Yeah. What's going <laughs> yeah, on? Catchers mitt. How do we totally. do? How do we? How do we do a home so, birth? Well, we had three. So there's and they're all slightly different. But I think I can sort of probably kind of mash them together and say that. Um, you know, for us, I'm a naturopathic doctor. So is my wife. So the idea of as long as our pregnancies were normal right. and things were kind of now, did she go to regular
0: gynecologists to be... throughout? Or no, did we, we... used midwives the
1: whole
2: time. The whole time, yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: So we had the real luxury of um, of being in Seattle for the first one because Seattle is really like the epicenter of kind of natural, natural health in this country. Okay. Very cool. kind of eco and natural and very progressive in terms of. Uh, their views on medical and healthcare, and so there's a lot of home births there it's not that okay. unusual there yep. uh, I'm not sure how it is around here in Florida it's certainly less common where I am now in Connecticut so we were in Seattle for the first one Um, And we were also in naturopathic medical schools, which was totally not uncommon. In fact, it was probably like more common. And for us, and this is just who we are, and this does not apply to everybody. We were we would be much more comfortable in a home setting than in a hospital setting, where we had to like defend ourselves against a lot of kind of um, interventions and procedures that are done in a hospital setting that we sort of you know maybe didn't feel comfortable with. Especially Amanda, who was like doesn't like to be messed with or intervened upon. And so if there was you know birth, of course. In, in in health is a natural process. It's not a medical event, right? right? I mean, it can become a medical sure. event, and I think you have some, you could probably share some stories about that, but in, in, a, in, a, in a normal circumstance, it's not a medical event, it's just a natural process, and it has happened like a lot of times over many years, like we were all born and everybody right. everywhere, forever was born, uh, most of them either at home or- Were there any times during um,
0: the-, the, the um 36 weeks, nine months. Uh, Were there any times during that period where you're like, "Uh, maybe we need to get a second opinion on this? Or was was it just cruising the whole way through?
1: No, most of ours were, there was a few minor complications for us. um, And the way the process works with midwifery care, which is very much like, you know, conventional obstetrical care where you're getting your appointments and getting weighed and measured and blood pressure and all the various lab tests and stuff that are done um, in a little bit of a softer way done with midwives. And then, you know, when labor happens, you're prepared with this um, kind of portable hot yeah basically. so let's get into that yeah, i want so to know all right so get into the details so yeah. you
0: had a, you had a relatively smooth pregnancy so mm-hmm. no red flags no red flags And in yeah. your head you're going to do this whole home birthing had you done any home births previously
1: um not personally Witnessed uh, them uh, no okay yeah no,
0: no. all right so the midwife obviously has and many gonna, and yeah. so so you know it's go time like, you know we're, we're getting past the contractions we're doing whether it's balls Labor's doing, happening different yeah, things right. right so it's now happening yeah. like get me to the point of like setting up a or a tub, like really, what
1: happens? Yep, like, do you absolutely. buy these things at Walmart? You know, how no, do the we... midwives have them, and they like kind of rent them out for chunks of time. So I they imagine have... they clean them too, right? <laughs> oh yeah, they're all sterilized okay, and everything. Cool. And it's sort of like a, it's a, it's basically a portable hot tub, right? It's got, it's got these kind of like. Some sort of plastic walls that flap up. You know, it all okay. folds into a bag that they truck into your house. And then you you un you take it out, sort of like you would take out an air mattress or something. Yeah. And then you unfold it. And then there's this very, very thick vinyl liner that fits over the whole thing. It's okay. got a heater embedded in the walls. Ah. And when it's go time, like you say, when you feel like you're ready to, you know, yep. that the baby's coming fairly soon, you, know, you fill that thing up, you know, from the from, hose. From the faucet. Faucet, basically, yeah. It's got a heater in it. And, and uh, our first labor took like, you know, a good 14, 15 hours. So, so is Amanda of time. is
0: Amanda in that water
1: for fourteen hours? No, no, okay. not at all. So she, beginning of labor is happening and it's sort of slower and progressing along and then as it's getting more intense, you know, we're filling up the tub and then we get to the so point after intense, several hours. The water starts the water's, the start water's like now finally <laughs> so full the temperature, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> the water's finally, you know, up to up to the appropriate temperature. And then as the you know as you're really getting into kind of the, the more um, forceful parts of the labor, where for her it was very comfortable to be in warm water. You know, she jumped into the tub. I was in the tub as well. Uh, the midwives are outside of the tub. Okay. There's two of them. They sort of duel, yes. and um, you know, for Searsha's birth, I mean, the, the one that was exceptional, our middle one came very, very fast. So we had to like scramble. It was really hard. We didn't get the tub filled yeah, up all the way. Jump Yeah, it was like really intense. Um, and uh, but the other two. Now, were, what is
0: the what is the what is the what is the idea behind having the birth in water
1: as opposed to just kind of get on the
0: couch, get on the lazy boy, we're going to throw it up,
2: right? Right, so I have a question. Yeah, Yeah. but a man is in the water too. It's not like she's there and then... There's, there's there's a slide that goes into the pool, right? Yeah, right. The, is, <laughs> Everybody's in the tub, Man, but the, the midwives no, the midwives aren't in the tub. So okay. Amanda's Correct. in the
1: tub because I mean, and there's there's two benefits, and I'm not certainly an expert in midwifery or obstetrics, but midwifery is that the
0: actual term? That's the term, yeah. Midwifery. I've learned that's yeah, cool. I pretty, never yeah, that. cool, I've never done that. Midwifery. Midwifery a yeah. Yeah. word, by the way. Yeah, yeah it's that's a nice. Impressive. It is a nice
1: word. Yeah, I like it. Um, so mom likes being in a hot tub. I mean, you know, who doesn't? You know, right. You're sure. uncomfortable. You're having labor contractions. It's nice to be in warm water. So I think there's obvious benefits to yeah, mom. Can I, can I have a question? Warm mm-hmm. or like body temperature? 98.6? Uh, you know, where is Warmer than that. I think it was probably like around 99 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we yeah, have, yeah, not, not hot, hot tub 104, but midwife
0: know, is controlling the temperature, like with a thermometer and saying, mm-hmm. let's heat it up. Let's yep, there's temp- a thermometer okay. in in there.
2: there. I'm guessing mom is you know, like, you know, finger, uh, okay, good. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, and you're in the tub and you can,
1: there's a little heater so you can regulate the temperature. This is of course a process going on over time. And she's at some points relaxing, at some points, you know, I'm rubbing her back or, you know, that sort of thing.
0: And um, so, and just to get the full visuals, imagining uh, Amanda's just nude, right?
1: Yeah, I think she had a top on. Okay, maybe. and is, yeah. what about Dr.? Is Josh completely nude? No, I had a bathing suit on. Okay, yeah, bathing there suit may on. be some. Yeah. You know. Just, just yeah. want to get in yeah. and, and yeah. socks too, probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All right, I wore shorts. So, so you're in there. Board it's shorts. Go, <laughs> board shorts, which
0: do you use anymore? Um, which, so you're now, you're now in there. It's go time. We're pushing, you know, and you said Callie came relatively mm. quickly. Now, Let's get back to the question. Like, why? did Why in the pool as opposed to
1: just like on the lazy? Bike? Right. So there's two benefits to both parties, right? Mom is the more. Cleanup comfortable, is probably easier sort of, in the pool. In a way, yeah. There's sort of like it's a it's a natural epidural pool. they call it. Like it's hot water, muscle relaxing, okay. calming. And then the other thing is there are you know believed to be benefits to the baby as well, where the baby comes out into it's not as shocking, right? Because they're sure. in warm water in the womb, yep. right? In in a bag. In fact, Callie was born in the amniotic sac, which was remarkable. Mm. So you know you have to imagine like a baby coming out still in in the, encapsulated. S- the ca- encapsulated in warm water what of. it's called being born in the call and it makes Does it ha- does it happen in, in non home births no, or it's it's rare so she came out still
0: in a sack right, right? Yeah. Okay. A and fair, then you, you have rare to thing. kind of cut it open yep you or? have to open it up okay yeah, absolutely again I'm a,
1: trying to use very i'm trying to be very <laughs> respectful of the yeah, terms yeah. here too. there's an amnio hook it's called a little hook and you tear it open cuz
0: oh because like if somebody goes to get induced it's the same thing that they kind of put in
1: there right right well remember when the water breaks that's, that's that sack breaking. Well, in for Callie, her water never broke. The sack was like a hefty now, Durham, Can you see you know, can you see her sack. can
0: you see this bubble with her in there? Yeah, absolutely. It must be crazy. Yeah, oh my, it's a wild. Is it thing. translucent? Yeah, it's or? a
1: translucent membrane. It looks like kind of like a wet plastic bag. Oh my god. Yeah. Gosh. So she was born in that sack. So the idea going back to your question is that like if a baby's, you know, immersed in a warm water bath inside, then when they transition from the womb to the external world, if they hit like cold air, air yeah, or yeah, even yeah. warm air, it's just like more shocking. So the births in in water when they go well, which ours all did, tend to be just this more gentle transition. You know, the baby comes out underwater. They haven't taken a breath yet and they don't underwater. So the baby's born under the water. Wow. The mid, you know, the baby comes out underwater. Whoop! They come out and then you lift them up and... So I have a question about that. So with the umbilical cord still attached,
2: yeah. is that the way they're getting oxygen? So it's not necessary that they, it, it's not a problem if they go underwater. water. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, they're, so yeah. in theory, and they, they don't open
1: up their mouth to breathe until they hit the air.
2: So,
0: so they, in yeah. theory, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they could actually, you could stay in the water for a little bit too, right? Yep. Cause they're not breathing.
1: They do yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you don't tend to keep a baby okay. that's just fresh born underwater for very sure. long, but it takes them a couple frown upon, you know, uh, it takes them a little while to take that first breath. And so you just bring them up and then rub their back a little and then. Rah, okay uh, so right They're the back right. they start the crying yeah. and then you cut the umbilical cord or is yeah we waited i mean there's there's a lot of protocols about this like so, okay. you know we so we a lot of people like us waited till it stopped pulsing some people don't like so we you know we kind of just hung out there baby's born um, umbilical cord still attached placenta still in right because the placenta has to come out yep. later yep. so that's another kind of event and um and then once the placenta's out and the cord has stopped pulsating. Then we just you know, remove the at cord. That,
2: at that moment, that's where the biologic function has really been transferred to the child. right? The baby is that's now the on its own. Thing. Yeah, baby is now on that's its own. The and then
1: you kind of you know cut that tie quite sure. quite literally. And uh, and then and how then, does
0: it happen from a natural standpoint of from that of getting placenta out, does she have to push again? This is something that I just don't know. Does she have to push again or does it just kind of come out? I mean the
1: baby just came out and the baby is a much more substantial thing than the placenta. So it does um, kind of I mean this was one area where we had a minor kind of complication. Amanda would probably describe it as more than minor but um, sometimes it doesn't come out that easy or it hurts to come out or it has to be helped out by a midwife and these sorts of things. But generally speaking in a normal healthy pregnancy what happens is the baby comes out and then a little while later the placenta separates from the uterine wall right. and then it comes out too in a, in one last kind of little yeah, push. Got, got it. Got push. it. Yeah. Now, so, do, you, do you guys, did you guys keep the placenta? Did you keep the umbilical cord or no? We buried the placenta and planted trees over it. Oh, oh that's great. Yeah. Really great. What, what kind of, of trees? Moral? Well, in Seattle, we planted it in the forest. Oh, um, <laughs> well, you where can we come up with that question. In, Seattle, uh, in, in uh, for, that was, is in the forest uh, in Seattle. Um, in, uh, for Cali, there is a magnolia tree, a star magnolia tree See, planted there's over it. something No, it, it really is. Yeah, That's so the, reason, a good question. A, I have a, the answer. Right? And um, Zaya's tree was, uh, was a ginkgo. Ah.
2: You, uh, so it was purposely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Totally. I love, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. There's something to It's by that. design. I, I really yeah. do. Now, yeah,
0: cause some people will actually keep the placenta and there's, I want to get a naturopathic doctor. Oh, we're going to go there. Aren't we're we? going there. We, of course. Right. We had, we talked about All right. this. So what about the whole, um, eating of the placenta, right? <clears throat> what is Dr. Josh's take on? So we have the placenta discount. It's just kind of floating in the pool. We just cut the umbilical cord. Um, we want to keep it right. Yeah. What? And a lot of people have, well, you know, whether it's freeze it, whether it's, you know, put it in the Vitamix and, you know, make some smoothies. Mm. What's your take on the quote unquote benefits of it?
1: I can't comment really super intelligently about this. Other have than you say it? Have I've you ever tried it? I've never tried it. Okay. You did not do that. Okay. Right? Um, I know people that have. Um, I know people for whom it's a, you know, they think it's a very useful thing. The placenta of course is like a very richly nutritious Yep. You know, piece of flesh. It's got a lot of hormonal activity. It's got a lot of nutrients. Of course, it's what sustained that baby this whole time. And so there is, there, there is a whole community of people who are big fans of this idea of consuming that placenta afterwards. And the idea is, and I'm not sure that this is literature based or there's any evidence about it, that it might help mom recover from the pregnancy, Right. right? Rich source of iron, you know, recover from the blood loss, et cetera. Get some of the hormones back, yep. um, maybe maybe prevent things like postpartum depression and stuff. Sure. So people will the real hardcores will like just make soup out of it or something and eat it, you know. Which sounds you know just a little it's a, it's a little skeevy for a lot of people. Sure. The more kind of pharmaceuticalized approach, and there's a bunch of companies that do this, um, they'll dehydrate it. Yep powder it and, and because, encapsulate yeah. it and then and then the 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 postpartum mom will like take placenta it, question ca- her it, own placenta capsules you know for... but,
2: but that's that's unique to her right Th- this is yours Your These own. capsules yeah.
1: are for you yeah. not for anybody else yeah. well, what
2: about indigenous historically indigenous cultures do they do that i'm sure bad? that
1: that placentas have been eaten for millennia yeah because it's like this richly, yeah. You know, why throw it away? You know, probably like in a lot of ways, how humans have eaten the whole animal. You know, maybe they killed a, a you know, a, a, a deer or a elk or a bear or something. Like they wouldn't just like throw certain parts of it away because right. they were yucky. Gotcha. You know? And I think placentas. I mean, why would you get rid of that? It's like this nourishing sure. flesh. You know.
0: So all right, so I want to wrap up this whole uh, in your house doing this thing. So yeah.
1: you're done. Cut the cord.
0: The midwife, how does she dis- how does she dispose of everything, or do you not see that you're kind of yeah like- no
1: I was involved in that and some of that I mean it's pretty pretty easy to dispose of you know we had a pump that pumped the the water um, and other debris from the afterbirth and whatnot. Um, out, and I think that just went like to the toilet where it just got flushed down, and then we cleaned out the tub and folded it up, and off they went. Okay, so it wasn't
0: like out the front door, and so somebody's like, oh, the Flivitz just had a baby. We can see it coming out. Not at all, yeah.
1: Okay, no, not at all. Gotcha. And we had a really, I mean, just to, to finalize how this all went, it was really interesting. Like, we, for us, for our third one, we have a conventional pediatrician also. We have, our kids get regular pediatric care as well. And um, our pediatrician was not a huge fan of the idea of us having a home birth. obvious reasons. This is a conventional doc. He really wasn't into it, but he didn't tell us that he, we couldn't do it. He just said, I want to see the baby. This is my third within 24 hours. And did you do that? So this was, this was great. So the mid, we had the baby at home. Our doctor said, I want to see the baby within 24 hours if you're going to have a home birth. So we said, well then come over (laughs) (laughs) because we had two other kids and we were tired and we just had a baby. And so if you want to see the baby within 24 hours, then come on over. So he did. And so it was interesting. So we had the baby. That was a, Zaya's home birth was textbook. We were all cleaned up. It was happened in the middle of the night. The girls came downstairs in the morning and their new brother was there. That's it was cool. like there was no more tub. That's it was all cool. gone. It was it was really amazing. It was like, "Look who's here," you know? And um, that morning our midwife came and weighed the baby and measured him and checked him out, you know, day 1, kind of see how he's doing. And the way she did it was with this kind of like kind of like a hippie sling and it's almost like how you'd weigh like a fish you know like a scale scale, you know hangs down you know she she gets a measurement whatever it is like six pounds five ounces or something and then um so she did her little checks weighed measured etc checked him out and then she said he's good i'm out of here and so she was leaving and as she was leaving our pediatrician was coming in the door at the same exact time so it was this awkward meeting of the the like hippie midwife and the conventional pediatrician who's walking in at the same time, they, like, you know, made niceties just very quickly. And then he came in, and he had, like, a sterile, like, white digital scale and, yeah. like, all these other, like, more conventional tools, which were doing the same thing as what she did. And it was funny because he put him on the white digital scale, six pounds, five ounces. That's same funny. thing. Like, you know, all the tests that he did were also – the baby was normal and healthy. Yeah. So he, he told us the baby was normal and healthy, just as she had told us that the baby was normal and healthy. And it was this really – cool, like experience of the integration or the, you know, the, the dichotomy, which is really not that much of a dichotomy between yeah. natural medicine and, and conventional medicine, which is actually fu- fundamental to the way I practice, you know, it's yeah. it a cool moment. That's, right now. that's
0: yeah. all. I mean, and, really, yeah. and, 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 that's high performance right there <laughs> is, is <laughs> I don't know. home birth. It's not actually props responsible to my wife. It's yeah. what it is. Yes. Yeah. And, and being able to do that. And I'm sure, you know, anxiety, Maybe not. Maybe you were just sitting there cool playing the guitar, but I'm going to guess, you know, anxiety levels go up. You know, anytime there's
2: bringing the human in the world and
0: you're thinking the worst, you're thinking the best, and you're kind of like riding it out. Yeah, it's
2: intense. It's definitely intense. But I think you you had the advantage of being a healthcare practitioner along with your wife that kind of knew the sequence of things uh, that needed to happen and what the indicators were that this was proceeding ahead uh, normally. normally. Yeah. yeah. So
0: somebody's actually considering home birthing at home. Uh, what would you say are the steps to say, here's what you should at least take into consideration to do this?
1: I mean, the first thing is you need to ha- find a midwife who's capable to, to be able to help you through it, right? Both in the prenatal care and then also make sure that the pregnancy is normal. Like, do all the things that you need to do, that mom is healthy, that baby is healthy, um, and that you're going to have the expectation is going to be a normal, um, a normal pregnancy and labor. You know, th- there are certain situations, breech babies, twins— um, births after cesarean section that are probably contraindications to home birth. Um, again, not my area of expertise, but uh, in a normal mom, normal healthy mom and normal healthy baby, it's a, it's a good option for a lot of people. And it just sort of is very, it's a, just a gentler arrival, yeah. you know?
0: And so Dr. Jeff, if, if you were talking to, to Josh at that time and he says, I'm going to do this whole, you know, home birthing thing, we're going to, we're going to go for it. Uh, obviously it takes a lot of, you know, prep time, being responsible about it, um, but knowing what you know about, you know, high performance and even having a doctor background, you know, and what you're seeing in this world now, like how would you prep somebody who's about to have a home birth? Let's just say, you know, we're going to have a home birth, but yeah, I want to talk to Dr. Jeff about this. Well, know.
2: first off, you know, the champion's golden rule is do the homework and the test right. is easy. So you got to do your homework and make sure that you know the exact steps that you have to go through to make sure that you're fully prepared to do that. And then there's a moment where you got to push the go button, Right. And so you really need to know what your go button procedure is, so that the first things that have to go right, the first things are executed, so all the other processes behind them uh, flow smoothly. And as long as everybody else understands what the progression is from inception to completion, then you're going to be in great shape.
0: Now, what about? And this is and this is going kind to of cool a cool segue too. Is what about when you're you see that things may not be going as planned, right? You know, now we're starting to think see things kind of make a little turn. You're you're making little things kind of not going well like what is what is the responsible way because you know as we're making this you know this this um, transition to, to a different topic is you know in life we can plan things out you know we can have the all and we know that you know the home births are great right and you know in our case it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked out for us um, but not necessarily me wanting to be a high performer as you know a dad and being there but being responsible and saying, okay, recognizing the signs that
2: Absolutely well, that's all part of the preparation. You know, any responsible high performer, whether it's sport, business, life itself, really knows what should happen, what yes. has to go right, but they also know need to know the 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 signs that things are starting to skew. Yeah. And then when you need intervention and all those things should be placed into it. And it is a really important point that a lot of people think, well, you know, if we make contingencies for things, then we're not trusting the process. Right. I don't think that's true. I've never seen a prolific performer ever do that. Right. Prolific performers always have contingencies. There are b plans. It's not like burn the boats, only option A. They right. never do that. And that's great to hear you say that. Yeah, I really. think it's totally true. And yeah. it's,
1: I mean, we're having a home birth conversation, but it applies to so many things. <laughs> yeah. like You have to have flexibility or a contingency plan because things don't always go. You know. It it,
2: it actually may be a better option. Right. In, in the thing that any responsible advisor to that is, is that it's always important to download and get the context as to whether something is going south quickly, or whether it's an anticipated blip and it's nothing to worry about. So I always encourage the people that I work with, let's make sure we have a conversation so that we download as quickly as possible, whether we should take action or not—that's got to be inherent in the relationship.
0: Well, give give me an example. Has there been anything in Dr. Jeff's life, or whether it's the people you work with, where you start to see something go really downhill, where it's just like we we got yeah yeah in front yeah. Of yeah let's say
2: for example that you have. Let's just use athletics because that's a pretty good sure. metaphor. So, let's say I'm working with someone that uh, is at a, a pivotal point in their career, and their performance is starting to drop. And, uh, usually the uninformed would say, well, you know, you're not fit, you're losing fitness. So you got to get out there and get your fitness back where right. it's probably not that it's probably that you're training too much and there's not enough recovery. And so that would be the point where you need to pull back. So it really is all about interpreting correctly what you're experiencing right. and Many times with our human nature, we believe something that is when it's really not. Yeah. And that's what puts us into difficulty.
0: You know, and it's something I've learned, and you've actually taught me too, which is when you're seeing, like, let's say you're, you're on the path to do something, we can love it because the home birth is really just, it's, just that's great, amazing. That's it's a great thing. It's a good story really and it's really a good, good. metaphor yeah. also. It's again. a great yeah. metaphor. Is, so, yeah. so you had this, the home birth and it went, you know, as well as it could. Um, but, you know, in life, sometimes you might see things kind of start to drop off like that. And for me, what I've learned is, is it's not, we all get in that react mode. It's, you know, you see the you see the plane start to kind of, you know, curve to the right a little bit, or you see kind of like you may be taking a little dip. And the ultimate thing, you know, everything we all do, is say, oh, what can I do to fix it? What can I do to fix this right now? I need to fix this to bring it back up. And what I've learned is like, literally that's kind of like continuing to scratch a wound, right? So it's, you know, it's opened up a little bit, but it hurts a little more, so I'm gonna scratch it a little more and mm-hmm. just makes it more of a bigger wound, right? And so what I've you know, learned recently, you know, which you've helped me with too, <laughs> has been to take a step back, right? just you know and see you know see what's out in front of you and so just like what would happen if in the home birth if something did go wrong you know you could say oh we need to fix it we do this but you if you that moment of let's just take a step back and that might that that taking a step back might, might just need to be two to three seconds right but in other things in life whether it's career whether it's you know health or whatever it's kind of taking that massive step back to kind of say Okay. Now let me, it's a different playing field now. Now me, I'm maybe not at this high altitude. Maybe I'm right here, but here's where I can do so I don't continue to go down. Yeah,
2: exactly right. And if you have any questions about that, your advisors, which would be the midwives, they need to be on call. Yeah. And it already has to be discussed that if things start to move south then you give me a buzz so yeah. we can clarify because you want to hang on to your energy. Yeah. Like in the birth, it's mm-hmm. like if the, if the mother to be is relaxed and you're going to have a much better yep. chance of a really good birth, but if they start to tighten up, then that can create its own complications.
1: I think of this metaphor, too. We're in this beautiful place in Florida, and there's palm trees all around. and I beautiful. I remember, beautiful. Thanks, I remember, remember being in, in, in a conference once where we were talking about something related to this, and uh, and it was about kind of weathering the storm, so to speak. So in this area, of course, I mean, I haven't been, seen one, but there's hurricanes and stuff that blow through here, right? And there's all these, like, magnificent palms. And um, if you've ever seen, and I'm sure most people have, like, the video footage of a hurricane just ripping yeah. through, like, some South Florida town, you see these palm trees just, like, going... Whoa! you know, like down, like the wind is blowing them down and they're just bending over. Right. So like the metaphor is of course, like there's this storm, right. And the storm is chaos. And the reason why a palm tree can weather it is because of its flexibility. Right. Like, and it's not like doing, it's not doing growth or making coconuts or dates or whatever it does at that time. It's just like bending in the storm, dealing with it, letting it and riding it out with with flexibility. Right. Because rigidity doesn't work that's right you know the the telephone poles break but the palm trees don't and so that the, I think what we're talking about right is like f- flexibility right there's yes. a storm and it's
0: funny because I remember in speaking of storms and palm trees and everything I remember when you guys came to visit a couple maybe a year or two ago we were, we were out on a boat and I look behind me. And it's funny, I always use this 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 as a metaphor for kind of like either running a business or health or anything like that. We're on a boat and we're jumping out in the water. It's really beautiful and you kinda of turn and look around and you're like, oh Uh-oh. shit, it's black. <laughs> it's black. And being being uh, I wasn't a new boat owner at the time, uh, but when I when I started to you know run boats and stuff like that, your thing is let me go. I just got to get back as quickly as possible. So then it's kind of I saw that, and I actually you know I got a little nervous. I'm like I have people on the boat that I'm am resp- responsible for their lives because I mean truly it's, you're on a boat and yeah. you know you're responsible for that. And so I, I stopped for a second and I was like, we could either turn around and go right back to there and try and make it home and beat it and like take the storm in the face. Or we can make a little adventure out of it where we're going to stay here for a little bit. If the lightning strike gets closer, we'll get out. Um, We did. We played for like 15, 20 minutes, and then we just took the longer route home mm-hmm. right? we kind of like we let it kind of it didn't necessarily get over us it kind of passed a little bit if we would have went back north that way we would have hit it we would right have got pounded pace. yeah we got it pounded. was intense but we just took a light like right around it and it's not saying you're avoiding the problem it's just and a lot of people think that is like you know what you get in a position like that and you're avoiding the problem no it's just surveying the landscape and saying like, right. this is a more responsible path to take mm-hmm. you, gotta know, you gotta know which way it's going it, you, you gotta know.
2: know which way it's going and if you don't that's that's the value of, yeah. of an advisor you yeah. know if you're not sure then you ask
0: yeah Now, personally for you, have you had any instances or experiences where you're like, oh, shit, you know, it's about to go down or something could happen where you've kind of taken a step back and said, ah, here's how I can do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, at my age and sort of with three kids and with a business that I run and all the pro- projects that I work on, there's no doubt that there's times where I've had to course correct. I mean, yeah. you know, and um, I, I'm, forgive me, but I'm a metaphor guy and I'm also a surfer, so which you can relate to. And I think we've maybe talked about this before, like anytime those things happen, I always default to like my relationship with, and you know, I don't surf that much anymore, but you know, I did a lot as a kid and, um, as, and as a young adult. And I think of the surfing kind of metaphor is that like, people talk about balance you know whether it's in work life you know kids yep. versus work or this work versus that work or just you know work life balance is such a common conversation and i feel like the notion of balance as a static phenomenon is really a fallacy, right? Like, cause life isn't static in that way. Right. So it's not like, you know, you know, uh, it's not, it's not a, a, like a cairn of rocks balanced on each other in a static way or some kind of balancing act. It's, it's, con- it's dynamic. Right. And so surfers would, would be accused right of having really good balance. But the reality is that in a surfing, in a wave situation, you're never balanced. You're right. What you're actually good at is the constant, and like recurrent management of imbalance yes right so if the wave pitches this way then you go that way and then it pitches this way and you go that way and so i always think of the these that sort of metaphor when these sort of challenges present themselves in life it's like oh wow like you know when i started my business for example with the kid thing i was like up till three in the morning and working and you know that way and that was like the wave had pitched this way. Yep. So I had to do some things that wouldn't normally work for me for a long sustainable period uh, because that's what the wave was doing right then. And right. then at other times, and that's just the way I roll, you yep. know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's never static or fixed. It's just a constant management of the imbalances. That's how I, and it's that's the same, how I It's the it. same thing with
0: bikes too, right? There's no bike that there's, there's no, no I mean, other than here on a, one a, you know, the path is straight. Right. Um, but very rarely like in, in, in whether it's competitions or just your ride, Places, you know, it's it's definitely. Sometimes you have to go this way. Sometimes you have to go the other way to stay on the
2: path. Yeah, it's it's really about being able to read the context. Yeah, you know, because plans uh, are executed within a context. Yeah. And as long as you know the context, and you know what it means, and you can make the right adaptations. I got to tell you a story though.
0: Um, I went up to visit Dr. Jeff. It was probably I think it was back in January. Um, and he, uh, <laughs> Jeff's Jeff's a big cyclist. Like that's his thing, right? And, um. We got out there and he kind of you know, we went for a hike. And he said, You know what? I'm going to take you for a bike ride. And I have a beach cruisers. So that's all I got. You know, big seats, right? <laughs> just big, comfortable seats for my butt. It just feels so gear, good. No gears. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's no gears. Back, so and so he goes, You know, he's like, Do you have a ride? I was like, Yeah, I ride all the time. So we went to a bike shop. And so they I, I rented, or, you know, the guy was nice enough to let me borrow a bike. And it had like gears and stuff, but weren't like typical like, mountain bike gears that I've been on. <laughs> um, and I looked at him and said, Jeff, I don't know how to do this and he was like well just get on it was like it's funny because it was like being five years old again and learning how to ride a bike and so he's like get on so i remember for the first like four minutes i kept complaining i was like jeff my seat's too high I, it's like or it's like too, I, something's wrong I with pushing the on my prostate yeah and I was like, jeff, it's, it's, and he kept looking he's like and jeff's like sitting there cool and just he's like no you're fine you're fine and so i'm just like something is not right and it was just the way it's just a different ride right and so we kind of cruise down on these kind of side streets go down through pasadena through the bowl and the so rose bowl the warm-up <laughs> and you've been been there Pasadena, rose bowl area i mean yeah. we have no we have no hills here in florida
1: right, it's flat here yeah
0: <laughs> and it if i would have been in this position when i was you know 22 we went like we were going down this hill i would have not have used the brakes i would and he just went down and i'm sitting like an old man just like riding the brakes going down so we get so, so we, we get done going through these windy curves stuff like that. so we stop to get lunch and, and as we eat lunch we're wrapping up jeff goes shit He's like, we're late. We have to get home. And I was like, okay. What does that mean? He was Can like, I say that. Yeah. And he goes, he goes. We have to go in traffic. And I said, oh, back God. up that hill we came down.
1: Oh God. And
0: so he said, on traffic. And this is what he said. LA He's traffic. like, we're gonna be in traffic. He's like, and it's and it's you know it's downtown Pasadena. So there's a lot of cars. He's like, stay three three bike lengths behind me. He's like, and. Just go. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> and so as we're doing it, we're driving down, there's red lights, there's stoplights, there's people opening up doors and everything. And we get through like the first two or three intersections. I look at him, I was like, Jeff, I swim with sharks. I've surfed with sharks. I've seen them. I've been in really dangerous situations. I'd rather be in the water with a shark right now. This is, this is not, this, is, this sucks. And he was just laughing like that and he was cruising. And so we kind of got—we were a couple miles away, and we kind of got—we kind of got cruising. And we kind of hit a couple green lights and stuff like that, and then like that kind of flow hit me. I was it like, did, man. It, was I, "It was one of those like where." It was yeah, this this seat is really uncomfortable. I, I hate this seat, um, and I don't really understand these gears right now. Mm-hmm. But I got an idea that one will make me go faster. One will make me pedal harder. One's gonna make me pedal mm-hmm. easier and i kind of got into that little bit of flow of things it's not i didn't choose to be in that position at that impressive. time <laughs> it was impressive. It. yeah and then you kind of just he hit just that died. thing and so when we got back to where we got back to I, I told you, I was, I went through that whole thing. I was like, I'd rather been a Shark. I was like, but you, I kind of went with it, right? I went with it. I was like, there was no way I was getting out of that. Like, I felt like I was going to throw up at one point. I was like, I just, I don't know what to do, but I just decided just to kind of go with it. It was scary, uh, but it really was, I mean, it was also intoxicating too, because it was just kind of flowing with it. And so it's almost kind of like the same thing yeah. in life, whether it's, what's well, my business, whether it's, you know, parenthood, whether it's, you know, health or whatever, there's definitely some times you just got you know, sit on you a really uncomfortable seat yeah, right? and just right. go
1: with it. It. I say sometimes, like especially to patients who are navigating difficult situations, that the only way out is through. Yes, you know, which is so true. That's good. And I was thinking, That's like good. the bicycling and the cycling metaphor, you're relating to what mm-hmm. I was saying earlier about the surfing is is even truer there because, as I understand it, I'm not a cyclist. I've ridden lots of bikes, but like. Your balance is much better when you're moving forward, hundred percent. Right? So faster when you're stopped, you go, the better it is. it's very hard to yeah. stay balanced on a bicycle. Like that's kind of one of yeah. those challenges where you're moving your front wheel and it's hard when you're static, but it, as soon as you start to make forward motion, the balance on skis, yeah. on snowboards, on surfboards becomes easier, which is like another kind of cool metaphor, you know, that's uh, Balance is not a static thing, and if you are static, it becomes very difficult. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. So
0: I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a hard right here too, um, but while keeping the eye on performance and balance, etc., and 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 uh, time management. And you told me not to ask you if before this. You just want me to go into. it. I'm gonna go into it, but I'm not gonna. Just be careful here. I want to talk about um, the presidential election. Right. Okay. Uh, I don't know if a little bit of elevated anxiety came up when I brought that up. (laughs) Uh, I told you I was going to talk about it. Um, But the more so of the performance and the health side of it, right? So we're not going to talk about, you know, left, right, whatever. But so we have Donald Trump, we have Hillary Clinton. You still got kind of Bernie Sanders in there. But one thing I always look at, even when this whole election cycle started, I remember looking at those guys and be like, why the hell do they want to wear a suit and tie every single day? Like from now until, you know, November 6th, 7th, what, 2016? Like, and what is it about, I want to know specifically from your perspective and from a health perspective, what is it about a person? Again, there's drive, you want to do good in the world, et cetera, but there's probably a lot of ego that plays into it. Of There's no, no work-life balance at that point. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're truly hustling and grinding 20-some-odd hours a day, Mm. and it can't be good for their health. I mean, if you take a look at – it's funny, those, like, memes you'll see of, like, whether it was George Bush after eight years, he came in with, like, brown hair, and then he left with white. And Mm. even Obama, is still, like, a young guy, came in with really dark black hair, and now he's gray, right? And so what is it from – I'll start from the performance stand, and then we'll get to the health stand. But what if from, like, a performance standpoint, one, do these guys – and you've you've toured with some really big musicians, and you've toured – and you've done stuff like this, which is how do you – these guys have to be high performers like 20 hours a day. How do they do it? Like, I couldn't do it. I'm a baby. I need like nine hours of sleep. Um, even at this retreat, we have people here. I like to kind of go off for like two hours to get my own time. How do these people do it?
2: Well, first off, before you go, you have to prepare yourself like an Olympian. You, you know, I was an Olympic cyclist, so I know what that's all about. And it's like you have to prepare uh, as an Olympian to know that you've got the capacity to get the job done. You've got to know that because right. if you don't know that, then your kind of aura will be construed as being uncertain. Sure. And everybody on your team is going to feel that. It's going right. to scare them. you got to know that you can do this, and you have to be prepared to, to, to make it happen. Yeah. And you can't just will yourself into being prepared. You've got to do the steps. you got to eat right. You've got to do a certain level of exercise. There's got to be some professional support right. so that you know in your own mind that you've got the reserve to be able to make it happen. And then on the other side of it, you got to know that you're probably going to dip – India reserves far and above what would be considered normal. And there is a payback that has to happen at some point beyond that, because if it's not, then you get uh, gray, uh, you know, black hair to gray hair. Yeah. But most importantly, you you have to be certain that you can push and you have to know that you have sustainability.
0: And I'm guessing it also has to, you have to tell family, loved ones, like, listen,
2: no, absolutely. This this could
0: just be a year of me going around, or this could be, nine years it's really
2: important because this is never a single event it always involves you know people and loved ones in team and they need to really understand what that is in advance so everybody contributes to it so there are no surprises and at that level yeah there's a certain level of uncertainty but there's also a predictability on what what it's going to be and absolutely 100 percent of the people need to be informed about what the expectation is so nobody's taken by surprise right
0: and so from the health standpoint dr Joff. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Dr. Jeff is bringing up the health, you know, they need to exercise, eat right. I've seen what Donald Trump looks like. I've seen Hillary Clinton. They don't look like the healthiest people. Right. Yeah. And you had uh, you have somebody like Chris Christie. Uh, he's obviously not the poster boy for health. Right. Um, so some of these guys aren't doing it. But what what from a standpoint of doing this for whether it's a year, which might turn into nine years, I mean, are they t- are they taking years off their life if, if they're not doing it correctly, or is it just regardless? You know, just because of the stress of it, it, they're taking years off their life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've wondered the same thing that y- that you wondered, which is why would anybody want that job, right? I mean, it seems sort of thankless. There's lots of haters, you know. Right. The schedule seems super intense. The gravity of the decision. So there has to be certainly, I think, um, a personality type that goes that goes with it. And and you know, we could talk medical or DSM-4 psychiatric classification. Sure. Narcissism plays a big role. Yeah. A lot of these people. A lot these people also have, um, you know, physiologic uniquenesses that make them less dependent on things like sleep, for example. So most U.S. presidents throughout history, I've looked at this before, um, are able to perform and, you know, to whatever extent we agree or disagree with their politics on much less sleep than you or I, because I also like eight hours of sleep. Yeah. So there, there is probably something unique, both personality wise um, and also physiologically that makes these people, and I, s- I suppose the same thing is probably true with a lot of high performance athletes. Like th- many of them are well coached and driven, but they also are sort of superhuman in a way. Like, you know, they, they, they have a certain drive if and physiology that's yeah, different. Yeah. You the, know?
2: There There is a characteristic that you cannot buy or that you cannot train yourself into mm-hmm. and extends beyond just right. sheer will. You know, it's like, some of the business people that I work with, et cetera, they're, they're literally freaks in nature, Yeah, the way that they can push themselves. So there is a, a biologic side to that that yeah. I think, again- Which a lot of people actually think is like um,
0: is desirable. A lot of people want that, but they also don't know what is the side effects of it too,
2: right? Well, if you don't have the biology, you can't buy it or you can't create right. it. You I mean, can't what, coach what, it if it's just not it there. It, yeah. 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 Right. There's something that we're all born with. I think part of the, the, the vetting of the any process is that you, you really have to, know what your capabilities are and, and the idea if you want a bad enough, it's going to happen. Great idea, but that's not true. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have the skill, but you don't have the capacity to push or you don't have the sustainability, then, yeah you know it really it, it's not gonna happen and
0: this Actually.
1: happens in i mean it, certainly athletics and you also work with high level musicians i know and it's like some people are Business just people. musically more capable right yeah, like exactly they right. and so like if you if you have that and you have really good training coaching lessons and practice then you become a big superstar whereas if you don't have that you can train and practice and coach but you're unlikely to become i think uh, this is a really you know,
2: important reality because yeah. a lot of people feel less than or i'm not trying hard enough you know right. if i only want it bad enough i could get there and mm. it's It's like, not true. I see a lot of people that live lives of desperation believing that if they only wanted it bad enough or tried harder or got along with less sleep, they could actually make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it's not really true. And you should never assign yourself a grade for your contribution to humanity based on that ever,
1: because we're all uniquely qualified to do some extraordinary things. No. I would say, too, I mean, just as a final point about the health related stuff, I think for anybody, whether you're a presidential candidate running for office or a musician or a business person or a high level athlete, like there's some fundamental kind of rules of, 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 of promoting good health and longevity and, and high performance, I think, that, that apply to virtually everyone. And a phenomenon that I think is super interesting, and I can just articulate really quickly, is this idea of the blue zones. There's these five geographical areas that the National Geographic has studied quite intensively where people live a really long time, right? They don't get the heart disease, the cancer that we get in the Western world. And so, you know, these are interesting places because they're geographically unique, but there's something that these people are doing that is making them live longer, live healthier, et cetera. And so that's of great interest to health people. The areas, by the way, there's one in Greece, in Ikara, there's one in Sardinia, Italy, there's one in Okinawa, Japan, there's one in Costa Rica, and there's one in Loma Linda, California, actually, as one of the so-called blue zones. And the the, the characteristics, to distill it down about what's going on in these places, and this would apply to a presidential candidate or anyone, Mm -hmm. right, is, 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 is these several things. Number one, they eat a mostly plant-based diet, right? Mostly plants, not all, not vegetarian, not vegan necessarily, but mostly plants, okay. right? Um, number two, uh, they do physical activity daily and not necessarily elite performance or, or, or CrossFit or you know the latest fitness craze, but they move their bodies a lot, right? right? Um, and that might be gardening or walking or biking or whatever. Um, Loma Linda, by the way, is where um, the center of the Seventh Day Adventist movement is. It's a religious organization and they're vegetarian there. So that's part of the reason for their longevity right outside of LA, which is not known for longevity necessarily. So you have like plant-based diets, lots of physical activity, um, third newsflash: They don't smoke cigarettes, right. you know. So that's kind of a no-brainer there. And then fourth, and arguably important but harder to talk about, is that they're very well supported from a familial, um, social, community, or religious and/or spiritual kind of right. know, standpoint. So, like, if you eat mostly plants, move your body a lot, don't smoke cigarettes. Get good sleep and manage your stress well using a lot of like your family, community, and religious or spiritual sort of network as a support. That's your ticket, right, right, right there. And I think to the presidential candidate thing, I don't think they do any it, of that. But. Well, I don't. A lot of them don't. They are though very well supported, right? So they have like staffs of people that like help them but is along, that more? do you think you that's
0: know? more of like an ego thing too Not to, I, 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 it, I mean don't think i mean it's
2: because point, no because it, it plays yeah, into always, your ego right you know, for sure it's like you know i've been around that yeah it, yeah everybody kind of got their their uh their crew right right their entourage mm-hmm. yeah that that's part of the support system no you know how okay. you label that that's one thing okay but, yeah i think enough. that you know they're really for sure you, you've got to have your clinical network
1: mm-hmm. for sure that takes care of the nuts and bolts right can I ask Didn't you a question you? about that, Jeff. Yeah, though of I'm course. curious, like when you have when when a person and you've been around people, a lot of people who have entourages, right? And and maybe even to a, to an extent, been a member of uh, of that kind of posse, <laughs> right? Of people that so, I carry around the, the belt, the support. Yeah, right? no, no. But I'm curious, like what effect that has on a person, right? Because those people, when oh, you're surrounded by yeah. people who are who are supporting pumping you, you right. And pumping you up and like getting you water and getting you, you know, a massage or, do, you know, whatever it is like, cause it, a lot of like, uh, you know, I know elite performers in many areas have like extensive support networks or entourages. And I wonder like what effect that has on That's the person, the human, like the personality, does it make you weird? Like, it's, are you it's a normal it, person? With well, <laughs>
2: there, there's a difference between iconic status mm-hmm. and one act wonder. And so your one act wonders do have the entourage that supports an illusion. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. Fair enough. And no question about that. Mm-hmm. that. That's not what I deal with. That's, yeah. I, that doesn't work. Those for are flashing the that, pan. That, does, that doesn't yeah. work for me. But mm-hmm. when we're talking about the, the Jordan qualities and we're talking about the Richard sure. Branson qualities, et cetera, that's a different story mm-hmm. because they do have management people that are specialists in those areas. But, then they have the inner circle, correct? Right. And the inner circle are people that understand and play at their value and play at their level, mm-hmm. and so it's a camaraderie that creates sustainability for the right reasons, and that's why they can play the long game in a short game world. Do you big think? That, but but do, what about they, they get
0: out of that? Like, like So, so, so Jordan's no longer playing. Of course, he's. You know, for it, it would be
2: there. the same. It would be the same. There are a couple things that have to happen here. Is that number one you've got to know what's coming after where you are. Right. And most people aren't ready for that. Right. And so you've got to know that that's coming. You have to be able to read the signs of that. I mean, you look at one of your neighbors here, Tiger Woods, et cetera, somebody I've spent time with. It's like a lot of the, and Lance Armstrong, you know, these are people that have had tragedies that were perhaps preventable. Right. Had they had the right influence early enough, not when they were at the precipice. Right. Right. You got to back up. So again, I think that, you know, the, education like Alexander the Great had Aristotle as his mentor at 13 right and so again I think a lot of this is how it's handled early and how you formulate your strategy and what you have inside you as reference points as you move through the process Mm -hmm. and most people don't have that it's just want a bad enough try hard and you're gonna get there right there's there's no pro action about the success intoxication that's taken many people out of the game I would say first and foremost uh, the other success intoxication. I think is a big deal. it, it can be avoided. It should be avoided. But the question that I have is that, you know, where's the corner man in these people's lives that talks about the reality to be right. If this path is taken that you mm-hmm. can't even conceive of now. So in a certain sense, like, you know what I do, I work with high performers and show them what's possible where they can't even see it. And as long as we know what's coming, both good and bad, right then you can proactively prepare to seize the brass ring and avoid the pothole. And I don't see that as being a value. It,
1: it seems for like, the most part. it seems like with the one act wonders or the sort of flash in the pan celebrities and it's whatnot, predicted. That it's, like, it's predicted they, they, the entourage probably is more about like yes men around them, which, 100%, seems, 100%. which seems toxic. And it seems like what you're talking about, 100%. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if like you have a corner man like yourself, who's willing mm-hmm. to forgive me for the language, like sort of call these people on their shit sometimes, 100%, you know, that's, right. that what that, that, that that's going to, it, instead of just going, yeah, yeah, you're awesome. You're awesome. Right. You know that if you have somebody who can actually really call your bluff and you know and, and absolutely and, and right. give you po- realistic feedback that that's what leads to the sort of durational success a- absolutely right
2: yeah. I mean you, you can tell you can look at an entourage in a person and you can predict almost with hundred percent accuracy how far they're going mm-hmm. yeah. because if you have the yes man mentality they're not coachable they believe in their own press clippings mm-hmm. they have the flash yeah. they speak to the speak they're uh, kind of newsworthy from a flavor of the month perspective you can guarantee that they're not going anywhere. Fascinating. Just the yeah. way it is, you know, it's yeah. predicted. So I, I you know, that's not my type of person. I I'm understand. in it for the long game. I'm into dynasty creation for all the right reasons, et cetera. It's tragic. Nothing's more tragic to me than to see someone that's got amazing talent throw it away because they didn't have the context of the environment that kept them sober in the process. It's amazing. Tragic. I mean,
1: sobriety is the thing, right? These people, yeah. it seems like high performers like go down in flames so often. Uh, I mean, there's just innumerable examples yeah. of it. It's so sad.
2: There is nobody in their life that's talking about them, about the reality of the future yeah. in a progressive systematic way that helps the conversation is already started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they start to veer, like you said earlier, okay, you get one degree change, right? Yeah. That can point that out. Meaning, one degree here means that is the term that that's the conclusion, right? Do we really yeah. want to do that? And
0: I think, and this is, and you'll see a lot of um, we were just talking about earlier, kind of like a Gary Vaynerchuk type of thing. Um, but you've said this a lot, and a lot of people say this, which is actually really good. Which is, uh, whether it's in business, whether it's in health, whether it's in like in life life situations, um, sometimes sure you have to have that one to three second, you know. At, view in life whether it's you when you're doing the home birth right but more often than not if you take a 12 18 24 month view of things i mean immediately your anxiety goes down you know and immediately it becomes you become a better performer and i think a lot of with with these folks I could tell you, right like, the presidential candidates, from my perspective, aren't thinking, like, in four years, what are they going to – like, in three years when they're doing this with, you know, domestic relations or foreign relations, but they're not thinking – they're thinking, like, how can I get this vote tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? And then, like, because I'm going to do this, but, but they're not thinking 12, 18, 24 months. And I think that there is – with, with the high performers that will, you know, essentially you know, go down uh, and, and burn and crash, it's, you know, it, do they have that 12, 28, 24 month, or it may, it may even have to be longer in that perspective, right? It may be like five, 10 years down the road.
2: But, but there's a price to pay for everything. It's like what I do with my clients, I think this is really important is that I look at where they've been over the last three months. Right. And I look at the burn rate, sleep, exercise, yeah. travel, stress, and that'll kind of give you a burn rate on their resources right yeah. their energy their mindset etc and then that'll tell me kind of where they are like right now then i look at the schedule two months forward yeah actually on the behind i'll add another 10 percent to that right because it's usually a lot more than i think it is and then the two months that's coming yeah i'll look at it and i'll add 30 percent to what the load is yeah and that'll tell you what the cost of those five months is going to be and it's like josh you're the health expert on this is it like Literally, if you don't pay that back, and this is the tragedy of this thing, is that there are two things that people always promise in the high-performance world. Honey, I'm going to get back to that once we arrive. Yes. And then I'll get back to my health once I arrive. Once I arrive. And what's tragic is a lot of times what happens is that you have a relationship detonation or a health event that literally takes you out of the game just at the point where you finally got it figured out how you can become an iconic performer. Tragic, it's 100%. Right, so you never
1: arrive, and you never get back to it, right? Right. I mean, that's tragic. Exactly right. Right.
2: I I know a guy that's 49 years old, he made millions, and it's not about the millions. It's the fact that I said, well, how'd you get here? He has to have two lungs transplanted. Mm -hmm. 49, Mm -hmm. he used to run marathons. Wow. 20% oxygen, Mm -hmm. got this thing in his nose. Scary. Yeah, but it's like, how'd you get here? He said, well, it was four hours of sleep a night for 20 years. Blew himself up. Man. You cannot run it. Not no. possible. No. You cannot run it. And then what do you leave in the wake? Where do we start our conversation? Right. We start our conversation with kids, right? Yeah. So then all of a sudden, dad's no longer there. Yeah. Tragic.
0: Yeah, it is It is. It is tragic. And I think in, in the way I'll wrap it up, too, though, is I think all three people here, um, you two more so, um, are great fathers, right? And one thing i've learned especially since and you can running your own business and doing what things. i i can get a little eagle goes in my head of like oh you know what i just got home from a work trip jane can you take out the trash and she's like no no you're, you're not that here right <laughs> and so it's nice to have those little slaps in the face mm-hmm. and I, and the one thing i'll leave it with saying and i've told you both this before is when i first started the alternative daily that's when um noah was, was born right and i always thought at that time this is the worst time to have a baby i just started you know i just started this business this is great and now I realize, and I had made this realization like a year or two ago, that it was the perfect time mm. because that's when we were starting to have success. People were starting to learn about us and read our things and everything. And that success was very intoxicating and could have gone to my head. But for me, it was a slap in the face of saying, mm. Dad, you need to be right here. Daddy, you need to be right here. And both of you do that amazingly well. So, yeah, well, it's
1: impressive to, to watch you do it too, and watch you navigate it, because it does seem like there's a lot of good. You know, I, I said balance is sort of not ever static, but it does seem like the people here, and then the people in the sort of outer circle, alternative daily and up wellness, and, and, and you know, in this sort of little universe, are, are, are do a really good job of that. And it's yeah. a, it's it's super, it's inspiring to be around that. And that's in that blue zone commentary. I think being putting yourself in the room or in you know in in with people who you know you can learn from in that way. It's a is a huge advantage right you know what perpetuates the success by learning from other people and I'm impressed by what you've built and in and how how to navigate that sort of life and work and how they interplay together
2: I think it's really an important uh, lesson also for the business owner because as a business owner nothing could be more frustrating than having employee turnover right where you spend all this time and effort and resources helping someone get to a place where they need to be to service the organization then they leave or they have a health crisis right so, when one leads from that position and that becomes part of the culture, then for the business owner, they have a sustainable culture that they can believe in that has some assurance that the yeah. team will stay to go over the long term. Yeah. I think it's masterful what you've done, Jay. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Oh, shucks, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and that's why we have somebody awesome like Steve <laughs> oh, man, too. he's the best,
2: isn't he? uh, Steve, do we have any questions? Any
0: t shirts to give away? Yeah, we have a few. Okay, you guys up for that? Is yeah, that cool? absolutely.
2: Kurt asks, what is the best way to start or restart living a healthy lifestyle?
0: Oh man. We could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. What what is what, Josh and, and Jeff? Uh, let me let me help Kurt out here. What is um what is a what's the I don't want to say easy, but what's the best way for them to make one change? To make one and and we've talked about this for a while. If if somebody's kind of like stressed out or unhealthy, it, it's so easy to just kind of sit there and say I'm just going to kind of go um, they need to make one change, right? And so how, what's the best way, and I could be wrong, maybe you say it's like eight changes or whatever like that, but what is what is what is the best way to make that start? Just to kind of, we don't have to get in the whole like diet and exercise, sure, sure. You do, but what is the best way to kind of say, I turn that corner.
1: Right now. I, I don't want to take words out of Jeff's mouth, but you, know, but he said so many times and it's so true. You have to sort of know where you're, where you're at and where you've been. So I don't know where Kurt is at or where he's been, but for a lot of people, at least a lot of the ones that I uh, contend with every day in the office, there's, there is some fundamental starting points. And, and I would start with the diet, I think is the first thing. And the first thing that I have people do, um, especially if they drink soda and, uh, is to not drink soda. <laughs> That's like a very fundamental intervention. Just take that out. And a lot of good stuff will happen. Beyond that, I go to high fructose corn syrup, which is in soda, partially hydrogenated oils. If we remove those from the person's daily diet, um, that is usually where I start. What is one thing you would add? One thing I would add is vegetables, <laughs> um, like Which I, I mentioned, specifically? The plant, plant-based diet. I usually start people with roasting broccoli. There That's you go. like my fundamental starting point. Don't drink That's soda and start do. roasting broccoli. And I teach them how to do it. I mean, I talk about the tray and the olive oil and how you put the broccoli in the pan. I mean, it's really easy. It's really good. And just eat more broccoli. And then we can get crazy about organic or not organic. But I don't really so care would, about that. You would start with
0: diet point. before exercise. You would start by saying
1: just, unquestionably yes.
0: So. so Stop yeah. drinking soda. Yeah. Stop eating process, processed food or hydrogenated oils. Yeah. Just get a little bit more broccoli in, and let's yeah. talk to you next week. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I, I mean
1: I'm a huge fan of physical activity sure, too. Sure, but sure. you know we had to pick something, so yeah. I say stop drinking so soda. So Dr. You Jeff, did.
2: I would say sleep before uh, before anything. I love sleep. sleep before anything. I love it too because if you're not sleeping, then you're not recovering. Yeah. You know it's during sleep where your hormones get into circulation that repair your body from day to day, and. Yeah. If you're not repairing day to day, it's a slow slope and you're going to have to pay the price for that well, sometime. Well, it's funny because I
0: talked to you a couple months ago and I said, you know, doctor, I want to start getting, I, I want to start waking up early. And he was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I just think it's good. And he, he said, well, he's like, well, if you start forcing yourself to wake up early, it's going to put a toll on your body. You're going to know that this is coming. He's like, and the best way is to truly just kind of like wake up naturally. And so I am, I've i lived by that up until like a, like a month or two ago. And I've still wanted to get up early to start doing things where um, I had, as I, you guys both know, all of the animals in my house sleep in our bed, and so little Brody woke up one morning and pooped everywhere on the bed, and this was like at four o'clock, By four forty-five. It was all cleaned up. It's like, it's no one was reason, still dude. sleeping. You, Gina was get, G- this the right time. Gina no. was just going to going back to sleep, and I was like, I'm up. I'm gonna make a cup of coffee. I'm gonna stay up. And I made a change then. So for, I guess for my thing for Kurt, but going into your thing, which was I took a little minor life event, right? And said, I'm going to turn this one into a positive and say, I want, I've been wanting to get up. And so I woke up at 4.45, had a cup of coffee. By 5.45, I went out the door to go for a run and came back and started my day early. And then I've started to wake up naturally now at you know 4.45, 5 a.m. Perfect. to do those things.
2: So. A couple more things I want to add. Go for it. So I think also we need to make sure that we're pursuing the right goals in life so you have optimism. Right and you have purpose. I think those two things are extremely important. Cause
0: it's just kind of vague to say, I want to be healthy, right? Well, that's
2: only one thing, but if we don't have a purpose bigger than ourselves or objectives in life yeah. that, that really matter, yeah. then it's really tough to get up every day and engage that. And if you don't have clarity on that, I would just suggest that you find someone that you can have a responsible conversation about, you know, am I on the right trajectory? Yeah. And will the trajectory I'm on end where I want it to go?
0: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Kurt, we're sending you a shirt.
2: One, it's Melissa. Uh, she suffers from chronic pain, and so she struggles to get physical activity. Uh, do you have any exercises or easy activities that she could do to get more physically active?
1: Oh, you want to take that one yeah, first? Go yeah, ahead.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, you know, first off, great, great question, um, Melissa, but I think at least where i would start is to do some form of uh, traditional meditative art like qigong tai chi or yoga and the reason why here's the secret is that when the tissues of the body get toned then what happens is that the body is more upright in gravity so it doesn't take energy to stand plus the bones that make up a joint they start to expand away from each other so the body becomes a shock dissipator not a shock transmitter so you get to sleep, you stay asleep, you can tolerate
1: the activities of daily living just a little bit better. Awesome. It's a great answer, and I fully concur that movement is medicine. I think I, I say mm, that all good. the time. Um, and uh, some people are really limited. You know, this is a difficult question because it's, it's not clear what the nature of her pain is. But sometimes there's like structural problems, and you were talking about shock and shock absorption, and Qigong and Tai Chi, and these kind of meditative movement based practices are really helpful. Sometimes there's inflammation as a component to people's pain, and there's a lot that can be done there too. Dietary changes, uh, nutritional supplementation, things like turmeric and boswellia. Uh, essential fatty acids like fish oil, um, can help inflammatory type of problems. Sometimes it's muscle tension that's driving someone's pain and problems, which can be addressed with movement, but also can be addressed, addressed nutritionally and with stress management and with sleep and uh, minerals like magnesium are very helpful there. Um, so yeah, Melissa's question is a good one, but it's so broad, right? I have pain. Well, where does it hurt? Why does it hurt? How long does it hurt? Um, but yeah, movement and inflammation, muscle tension, structural derangements. Yeah. All these things are important. And, uh, Go see a naturopathic doctor is what I would also say. That would be fine one in your area. Nice. All
2: right. I'll end with one more. Okay. Fiona, in your opinion, what is the road to happiness? That's a deep one. Mm. It could be personal happiness. Hmm. Business. I'll take it. Oh, go for it. I, I think you have to have a purpose in your life that is bigger than yourself that you have the motivation to get up to each and every day, you know, where cause you always have enough energy to do anything on behalf of other people where yeah. it gets toughest, where it's all self-interest. And I'll also say that it, it takes a while to get to that point of realization. It's all, you almost need to spend 30 or 40 years trying it your way to realize it doesn't work. And then you start to shift your emphasis a little bit. Like so again, having a strong purpose that is well-defined and having a daily commitment to whatever that is. Awesome. I would also say, and I want to have you end this one, but um, I like the question. You know, what yeah, is the road beautiful. to happiness? Right?
0: What's the road? It is the happiness mm, right? Mm. And the road is actually the happiness. And so once you kind of take a step back and be like, you're 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 on it, right? You're on it already. And, and just by taking a step back and kind of saying this is the road, I think it brings a lot of you know warmth to the person, a lot mm. of you know gratitude, which we you and I talked about this yesterday. And I think this is extremely important to know that the road is is the happiness is, and I've been doing I've been doing this for for a very long time, and it, and it's I would have to, say, and I don't like to pat myself on the back, but I like to say that it's helped me, which is just a truly. And you can't do this intellectually. And there's a lot of people who bullshit about this a lot, whether it's in our industry, whether it's in different circles or not. But it's to truly be grateful, right? It's mm-hmm. nothing to say I am so grateful or I'm you know, grateful for this, grateful for that. But to truly take a step back and have that feeling of gratitude for what you have um, is is so nice, and it's so and it is so happy. It's just, it's a pure it's a pure contentment feeling. It's a pure uh, peaceful Pureful. feeling. And you can't think about it. You can't you can't talk about it. You can't describe it. It's just a feeling of taking a step back and saying, not saying, and just taking a step back and being grateful for what you got.
1: It is. It's, it, it, Fiona asks another big, broad, and profound question, right? And I concur completely with both that the road is indeed the happiness and being connected to a purpose that's bigger than yourself or connected to something that's bigger than yourself. A lot of people think that happiness will come when they get a million dollars or more than that, or some figure of money often. And you know, it's interesting, of course, I win the lottery, I'll be happy. A lot of people will answer that. And um, you know, there's been studies of lottery winners and and it's quite clear that it doesn't work, right? Right. So a lot of people win a million dollars or get a million dollars in some endeavor and uh, their happiness peaks for a very short period of time and then it goes back down to baseline or below baseline. So it's clearly, and this is an evidence-based answer, not money, that that doesn't work. And, uh, the other thing that I think that I would just add to what you both said is that there's also some research about happiness as, as you move through your life, like at different, um, decades. And I know you've done a lot of study and thinking about the decades, the happiness curves that, 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 I've seen are higher in the, um, if you divide your life into sort of three acts, like act one, maybe like young through early thirties then thirties through sixties and sixties beyond act one, two, and three act one is quite happy for most people. Act three is actually quite happy, even if there are uh, a lot of health problems hmm. and these sorts of things. And it's that second act, which, um, is, is, is problematic on the happiness scale for a lot of people. I'm not sure how old Fiona is, but, um, I think that what happens a lot in youth leading up to that second act is that there's lots of events that kind of, that punctuate your life. Like, you know, you, you graduated from high school or you got your first car or your first kiss or your first marriage or you bought your first house or all that stuff. And then, like, there's this chunk of time that is sort of like a, like a paragraph with like, like one long run on sentence for a lot of people. Like I'm just like working yeah. and raising children and it's just boring. And then the happiness curve is u shaped, right? It's like low on the bottom. And so one thing that I would encourage somebody like Fiona to look for is look for punctuations, right? Like find exclamation points, you know, um, recognize that you're on a journey and that that's true and connect yourself to a purpose bigger than yourself, but also like go to a concert and take in a sunset and like find little, little things that you can, punctuate that long run on sentence. That is kind of like that second act. And that really helps a lot. It's va- It can be a vacation, something as big as that, or something as small as just like stopping for a minute and saying like, man, that sunset is yeah. nice, you yeah. know, and those are just the little punctuations that are the things that can really, um, raise up the bottom of that U shaped happiness curve. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Uh, Dr. Josh, if you wouldn't mind grabbing your guitar. Oh. um
2: dr jeff if people want to know more about you if they want to find you what what can we do what's well that would be www.drjeffspencer.com. D r j e f f s p e n c e r d-r-j-e-f-f-s-p-e-n-c-e-r.com thanks oh, jake
0: yeah no problem and dr josh how can if, if people wanted to find more about you and what you're doing what would they do
1: um, well, the best place to probably find me is at UpWellness, U-P-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S.com, UpWellness.com. A lot of good stuff there, sort of content, video, articles, um, more like this uh, at UpWellness.com. That's a good place to start. Awesome. Right? What about Twitter? Are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. What you got? Joshua Levitt, ND, I think yeah. is my Twitter handle. N D is my Twitter handle. Awesome. Um,
0: yeah. To give out your cell phone? Not yet. I'm not going to give out my cell phone today. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, give them and, a shirt. And, and Snapchat. We're, I'm we're on Snapchat. There too. Yeah, we're at Snapchat. Oh, I got to turn it around. I got to turn it around. Look, like, I'm gonna just like a noob Snapchatter. Um, I'm on Snapchat. There we go. There's Dr. Jeff. Dr. That's Josh. Great. There it is. There's Steven, producer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you been using that at all, Snapchat? Not that much. No.
1: My kids, I like the face filters. Yeah, I like the Those are uh, funny. swap faces. Those are <laughs>
0: fun. funny. Awesome. Well, you can find more about us, obviously, at thealternativedaily.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, JakeSurfs. I know Steven hates that handle, but I like it. I, it's, it's, it describes me. Um, he doesn't like when I talk to him. He wants me to talk to the camera more. Um, so, at JakeSurfs, And if you want to follow me on Snapchat, too, carny.jake. Steven also wants me to make them all the same, but we're not there yet. Um, but you can find more of our videos, YouTube um, YouTube.com slash The Alternative Daily and Facebook.com slash The Alternative Daily. Did I hit them all? Most of them? Yeah. Enough of them. Okay. Well, Dr. Josh is musical.ly? going-
1: Musically? Do you have a musically? Oh, my
0: God. I've, I saw that. I'm not into that. Oh, my God. My kids are <laughs> You're outrageous. Come on,
1: man. Musically, man. It's really just like lip sync been... to other music, right? It's really cool, though.
0: Can, do they have like other? Do they have like not have Nicki Minaj? Do they have like other things.
1: No, I think it's all Nicki Minaj. Oh, it's all Nicki Minaj. <laughs> so play us some,
0: play us some Nicki Minaj out. Oh God, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> there we go. It is. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you.